Thanks, David. Friends, it's great to be with you this morning, and uh, I do bring you greetings from the Baptist Union of Victoria, one of uh, around 250 churches. But Bendigo Baps is a real inspiration to lots of other churches, and uh, good on you for all that you're doing. One of my roles as pastoral coach for the BUV is to connect with people like Dave regularly, and uh, we have the opportunity to catch up in different settings, so it's a real uh, honour to be here this morning. But also, I'm involved in investing in emerging leaders, and I think there are two of your interns who are going to be part of a, an emerge track this year. So we have communities of practice, we have uh, resource nights uh, from time to time online, and one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and things like that. But it's great to be here this morning. Uh, it's a bit like coming home, really. Born and bred in Bendigo. Uh, left when I was 18, but it's always good to come back. One of the things that we do at the, often at the start of a year or when we celebrate a birthday or something like that or someone's been celebrating 50 years is to ask them the question, do you have any words of wisdom? Uh, words for us that might inspire us and encourage us. Uh, in this particular season, we ask, we're asking questions like, what's changed? Is it changed forever? What do we need to do differently? We're in the middle of a crucial season, aren't we? I'm not referring to the cricket season, although that's really important, but it looks like the team I'm playing in is not going to make the finals. But we had a win yesterday, so that was good. Not talking about the tennis season, although I have Ash Barty wins uh, the Australian Open. They're important seasons. Not talking about the summer season, although uh, this next week's going to be all over 30, and uh, probably more than that in Bendigo. A, this is a season with heaps of challenges. It's the COVID season, if you like, that we're navigating. But it's also got lots of opportunities. And it's a season and a time when crucial questions are being asked. And people are looking to political and health leaders for wise and encouraging words. Almost every day, people are tuning in to say, so what's next on the agenda? It's also a great opportunity for followers of Jesus and for churches this season has seen more Australians exploring faith questions than many seasons and seeking some wise words and guidance about how to handle difficult seasons. One of the, one of the aspects of my role is uh, working with leaders about how do we prepare for, how do we navigate and how do we follow up times of challenge and times of crisis. And some people are asking, where's God at a time like this? Like, what's he got to do with all of this that's going on around the world? Is Jesus a bystander when life throws up challenges and curveballs? Or could he be the game changer? What do you reckon? One of the most crucial questions ever asked was by Jesus to his disciples when he said to them, so what's the latest, guys? Who do people say that I am? And they gave a variety of responses and then he said to them, so who do you say that I am? And ever since Jesus arrived on earth, opinions about him have been divided. And they, uh, in fact, his family at times thought he was insane and felt like he was a bit of an embarrassment to them. Uh, lots of people saw him as a threat, the religious leaders did. Uh, people thought he was possessed by a demon. Evil spirits kept shouting out that he was the son of God and wanted him to leave them alone. In contrast, hundreds and hundreds of people flocked to him, to hear him, to seek help from him. They couldn't get enough of him. 
And today, whether we follow Jesus all our lives or whether you're here this morning or watching online and wondering whether, who is this Jesus? Our answer to Jesus' question about who do you say that I am will have a huge impact on our present and our future. Also help us deal with our past. In normal day-to-day life, whatever that is now, there are some people who get involved in times of crisis and challenge, but there are many who don't. We all like to think that we would nobly halt harm and boldly articulate what's right, but research shows that most people tend to struggle with the decision to get involved. People get caught up in an internal debate over whether it would be helping out uh, Helping out would be their responsibility or wouldn't it be? Others worry about misjudging an unclear situation and consequently embarrassing themselves if they got involved. Another major obstacle to intervention is a phenomenon called diffusion of responsibility. It's this. If several people are witnessing a questionable situation, all the individuals present are much less likely to step up and help out because each believes someone else from the group will. And in still other cases, the person witnessing the situation believes that the victim is in some way responsible for the situation and now receiving what has been expected. But the probing question that Jesus put to his disciples was, who do you say that I am? And today I want to take a look with you in just a few minutes as we immerse ourselves in three stories that we find in Matthew 8 and 9, Mark 5 and Luke 8 that will help us to answer, who is Jesus? I'm going to share these stories in the first person. Story number one. Life has been hell for me. Somehow my life has been overtaken by forces that pressured me to do incredibly weird and socially unacceptable things like sometimes going around naked. There was the smell of death about my life. In fact, I lived in a graveyard. People didn't understand me. They wanted nothing to do with me and longed for me to be out of the picture. On occasions to try and deal with me, they treated me like a captured animal and bound me with chains, hand and foot. But the forces in me gave me such superhuman strength, I would break the shackles. To get relief, I'd try and cut myself with stones. People were scared of me and would avoid me at all costs. They thought I was mad and dangerous, and I probably was. One afternoon, a guy arrived by boat from the other side of the lake, and the forces inside me were on high alert. I could sense there was a showdown brewing. It was like I was thrust towards this guy whom I now know was Jesus. In fact, that's what came out of my mouth as I ran towards him. The voices from inside prompted me to yell, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. You see, already Jesus had spoken and commanded the evil spirit within me to come out. How much of my torment was real or imaginary didn't matter. What mattered is that I needed deliverance. Jesus didn't avoid me or turn away or ignore me. Rather, he weighed right in and his authority took over. 
the forces inside me had to do what he said and although I didn't understand it and don't understand it, somehow he set me free. And those demons left me and caused 2,000 pigs to stampede down into the lake and drown. But I was free, free at last. My disordered mind and my tormented body were at peace. The whole episode caused an uproar among the pig herders. Word spread and soon people arrived and couldn't believe that I was relaxed rather than agitated, sitting rather than running around, clothed rather than naked, interacting well with people rather than scaring them. I was at peace. They didn't understand and they felt anxious and afraid and their routine and comfort had been disturbed so they pleaded with Jesus to get out of the area. I desperately wanted to go with him but he said no. He told me instead to go home and share the story of what Jesus had done in my life. I would have loved to have gone with him but I obeyed. What followed was quite, quite remarkable. I got to share the story of how Jesus changed the game for me in a big way. I got to share it with people in 10 towns, 10 very specially connected towns whose population was predominantly Greek and with heaps of Greek gods. I became a living, walking, breathing, unmistakable, unanswerable demonstration of what Jesus can do in a person's life. I wasn't a basket case. I became the first witness to a Gentile world of what Jesus can do. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't give up or walk away or watch from a distance or warn people not to come near me. He changed my game. His words to me were life transforming. Story number two. And a third story will be inserted in the middle of this one. My name is Jairus and I've been the leader of the Jewish church for years, the administrative head, the president of the board of elders who ensured the good management of things in the synagogue. My girl, she's 12 and just on the threshold of womanhood, but still my little girl, she was really sick, dying. And I was desperate. Jesus and I hadn't really been on the same page. In fact, I didn't want much to do with him. I thought he was a heretic. Along with others from the synagogue, I saw him as a disruptive and law-breaking person. Yet there was something really authentic about him. The way he cared, the way he spoke, the way he taught, the way he lived, you couldn't help but be curious. When my little girl, my little girl was so sick, I realised that desperate people do desperate things. Despite what others might think, despite my prejudices, my wealth, my pride and dignity, I went to find Jesus. There was a huge crowd around him, but I pushed through the crowd and people were really surprised that I was there, but I didn't care. I needed help and I threw myself at Jesus' feet and I begged him to come and help my little girl. He agreed and we headed off together. Others followed. He didn't seem in a hurry, but walking with him I felt encouraged and strangely hopeful. Then all of a sudden he stopped and looked around and he asked the crowd, who touched me? 
I thought to myself, are you kidding? There's a whole crowd around you. In fact, Jesus' followers said out loud what I was thinking. Jesus waited. And I waited. He looked around to see who would own up. I couldn't believe what happened next. I saw a woman coming forward. I, I knew this woman. She'd been excluded from temple worship because of her physical condition. I felt for her, but I, I didn't know what to do to help. Poor lady, she'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And many people knew that she'd tried a, a range of remedy, remedies and spent her savings on doctors, but no one could help. And she kept getting worse. I'll let the lady tell her story, story number three, and then I'll finish mine. Story number three. The bleeding wouldn't stop. It was so embarrassing. I couldn't go out without wondering whether I would flood. I was always so tired and drained of energy. People got to know and would avoid me, and I knew that sometimes I smelled. I wanted help and I tried to get it, but nothing worked long term. I believed in God and I wondered why this was happening. My condition meant that I was not able to go to the temple and I didn't even want to go to the synagogue. I knew the Jewish laws saw me as unclean. I felt like an outcast and I felt like a basket case. I'd heard about Jesus and desperate people do desperate things. I hoped no one would notice as I pressed through the crowd because to touch people would mean that they would be considered unclean as well. I just wanted to touch Jesus' clothes as my heart cried out for his help. And when I touched his clothes, something changed and immediately I knew the bleeding had stopped. But then I froze because Jesus stopped. And he turned around and he asked who had touched him. When with trepidation I finally acknowledged that it was me, he spoke so beautifully and caringly. It was such an encouragement to hear him affirm the tiny seed of faith that I had and that that tiny seed of faith had been helpful in me having the game changed forever. It's Jairus back again. I was gobsmacked with what I'd just witnessed. What had happened to this lady only to be greeted with the news that in the meantime my daughter, my little girl had died. I was urged not to trouble Jesus anymore. But he overheard what was being said and he interjected with, Don't be afraid Jairus, trust me. Keep on believing in me. Could I? I wanted to, and especially after what I'd just witnessed. At this point, he stopped the crowd following and proceeded with me and three of his followers. And when we got home, we were met with a lot of crying and wailing and flute playing. Being able to give full vent to grief and sadness is healthy, and those who gathered were already right into it. To hear this and to know that my, my girl had died was heartbreaking. But somehow I kept hoping and trusting as Jesus declared that my daughter was sleeping and not gone forever.
my relatives and mourners laughed at him when he said that but he was not deterred with tenderness and with an authority that was unmistakable he asked everyone to leave except me and my wife and the disciples and we went into the room where my girl was lying Jesus reached down took her by the hand and said little girl come get up he helped her to her feet and she began to walk we were stunned but overjoyed we hugged our little girl we hugged her for a long time until Jesus broke in and said would you find her something to eat she'll be hungry he also said don't tell anyone about this was he joking you know Jesus could have wiped me he could have stood back and said bad luck mate you kicked me out of the synagogue why should I help you but instead he changed my game he drew faith out of me he helped me see things from his perspective and draw on his resources and live into his purposes as I reflected later I couldn't help but wonder at the despair and the stress of the mourners and the serenity and the hopefulness of Jesus I also didn't initially understand why Jesus would not want us to broadcast what had happened but I think it was because people would misunderstand the nature of his kingdom was is Jesus simply a good guy or is he God is he a boundary breaker or a rule maker is he a storyteller or a life shaper or both is he a bystander or is he a game changer he's no bystander he chose to immerse himself in the lives of human beings he came to live among people he came to apply the, the resources of heaven to the needs of people and his welcome to people his acceptance and love for people disarmed them roused their curiosity sparked their hope and drew out their faith every page of every gospel has stories of Jesus being a game changer in the lives of people and families you know in sport a game-changing moment is when something extra special happens when something out of the box is done and it sends the game in a different direction that's what Jesus has done and can do in the lives of people whatever their situation and when Jesus changes the game he's committed to it being for more than a moment a day a month a year he wants it to be a lifelong fruitful growing experience in relationship with him these stories leave me with a few questions for example we only have details of Jesus raising three people who only recently died why not more or another question what about people who weren't healed or physically cured N.T. Wright in his commentary on Mark says words to this effect Jesus didn't come as a one-man liberation movement or a lone ranger medical center these amazing things were signs of a revolution of a real and lifelong healing that Jesus would accomplish through his death and resurrection signs of forgiveness and hope that can be experienced by every person 
Behind the intense dramas of each story lies a bigger picture of Jesus on his way to confront evil at its very heart. He will confront death itself and defeat it in a way as surprising as these stories. What are the ingredients for a game changing in a person's life or a family's life or a church's life? Let me give you four. One is an encounter with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted your life to Jesus, that's the best decision you could ever make. A second is vulnerability to acknowledge need and to seek help. A third is some faith in Jesus, even a tiny bit, and sometimes even by some friends on your behalf. And the fourth is an ongoing daily walking with Jesus, listening to him for wise words for your situation, learning from him and working with him. You remember the invitation Jesus gave in Matthew 11? He said, if you're tired, burned out from trying to do it on your own, come to me, walk with me, watch me, work with me, learn the unforced rhythms of grace and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wherever Jesus is at home in a life, whenever he's present, the power of God is there to help bring life change to people and to populate earth with heaven's resources. Whatever your situation today or your story today or that of those whom you will encounter every day, Jesus came to earth to be God with us, to give us life, to extend forgiveness, to offer hope and to speak wisdom into every situation. What's stopping you drawing on him and his resources to see ongoing game-changing for you and then through you into the lives of others? You know, there are people in our streets and neighbourhoods who long to encounter someone who can encourage, come alongside with hope, go together with them to ask Jesus for help. Followers of Jesus, indwelt by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, are empowered to represent Jesus in neighbourhoods and shopping centres and sporting clubs and school and university campuses, in work sites and in offices. No, this is a great season for the church to be the church rather than focusing primarily on coming to church, although that's really important. Friends, would you join me as together we ask the one that was the game changer in these three stories to continue to be a game changer in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Please help me today, please help us today. Like you helped others in the first century and every century and every crisis season since. To seek you, to trust our lives to you and our needs to you. And please help us to be a, a channel of your love and your grace to the lives of others. Thank you that you're no bystander. You're a game changer. And we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.